It's March 10th, 2022, and you're listening to the Architecture Geeks podcast. I'm Larry. And I'm Matthew. And we're your friendly neighborhood architects, being geeky as we want to be. Yay, we're into March, I guess. It seems really weird that suddenly it's March. It's like, okay, what happened in February? Or for that matter, what happened in January? But here we are. It's it's the second week in March, and and time is just flying by. I don't know. Do you you guys, are you in Faye? Well, Faye's been doing quarter end, I think, or was it? Yep. Yeah, quarter close. No, she 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 hits that every three months, and you know it's a week of craziness and a week of, oh my gosh, <laughs> this is exhausting. Why don't we have more people? And and <laughs> it's, it's it's generally stressful for everybody. But you know, take a deep breath, get through it, and hey, look, we're already are already almost halfway through March. Yeah, it's it's well, and I imagine that probably helps things go really quick. I mean, the time go really quick for her when you sort of you're bogged down in something and you're just really focused on it. And suddenly you blink and you're like, "Oh crap!" Another week went by, and yeah, yeah, it's kind of crazy. And it's finally kind of warming up, so yay ish, because it seems to be warming up for a couple of days and dropping and getting cold again. But I just I'll be happy when it hits a normal temperature and it's a regular temperature, and my sinuses say, "Okay, we're good now." Come let now. <laughs> We're through with all the ups and downs of the cold weather. Let's do allergies. Yay. Yeah. The, the, uh, it's been kind of yo-yoing because this weekend was beautiful, but now it's back down into the 30s. And I'm just sitting here like, it, it's messing me up. And I, I don't even have the same type of allergy crud that you do on a regular basis. And it's even getting to me now. Uh, yay. Uh, the joy. Yeah. The joy the joy the joy. Yeah. Well, for today's podcast, we thought we would talk a little bit about keeping people out of spaces and, and, and doing so in sort of a creative way because sometimes sometimes it's easier to say stay out by not having the conversation at all and, and having to have that confrontation. So how do we do it in a more subtle ma- manner? And and there are plenty of ways to keep people out of certain spaces in a house, I mean, or, or in any sort of building at all. And you can obviously shut a door or tell people not to go into certain rooms, but we all have people from time to time, and, and especially as, as we're starting to get together again and, and getting, you know, either people are getting together at home or you're going back to the offices and you're just sort of out of, out of routine. <laughs> you have sometimes you, people might get a little bit turned around and then they open the door that was meant to stay shut, or maybe someone has kids who just blatantly go wherever they want, regardless of, of what you tell them to do. Or sometimes you have a, a nosy in law who, is visiting and maybe is is snooping a little bit or maybe maybe putting their nose into corners you really don't want them want them going into. But regardless of your situation, sometimes a more subtle design is needed or a, a more subtle design solution is really needed. So you, so you don't have to have that conversation. So so we thought that might be what worth exploring today and, and sharing that with you. Yeah, this this idea really stuck with me after. I was trying to figure out how to communicate with our newly minted two-year-olds last year on on what spaces they could go in and play in and what spaces were off limits. Uh, it was difficult because their language skills had, they had it really just started taking off. But on the other, on the flip side of that, they, they'd really already mastered breaking down most physical barriers in their way, especially because William's a 
monster of a child. And and he's measuring on the five-year-old scale and he's only three now. But when they wanted something out of reach, you know, they just, they either climb over it or in William's case, just push past it and just keep going. And just like, hey, 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 let's slow down here a minute. And at that point, Faye and I needed ways of keeping the kids out of certain areas, like our game room that we had converted into an office when we all started working from home. And because it had, you know, computer stuff, monitors, keyboards, just stuff that would be better left out of a two-year-old's hands. But we needed to keep them out without having to stand guard over the office 24-7, especially since the baby gate was no longer the reliable obstacle it used to be, and we couldn't just tell them to stay out. So today's conversation is really a practical exercise driven by one parent's need to keep some spaces off limits. And, and we found that it just had a broader range of application, a broader range of applications, as we mentioned in the beginning. Yeah, I can remember. <clears throat> I can remember my stepsister finding her way, and and this is something fun for you to look out for. And I think this is in the days before the um, baby proofing. But my stepsister was notorious for pulling out the kitchen drawers and climbing up to get something off the countertop, and she was a skilled master at it. So, oh no, yeah, oh yeah, it was one of those things of like, oh great, and then now what? But. That's just, it's, she knew what she wanted. She knew how she was going to get it. She went after it. So, so, you know, as, as Matthew and I were talking about this earlier, that all the ways we brainstormed to keep people out of spaces, excluding physical barriers really involved that heightening a person's sense of your, your physical senses to, to one degree or another. So what we wanted to do is, was look at this, you know, we would talk about subtle ways of doing it, but we want to talk about exploring this a little bit through the person's sight, touch, hearing, and the smell smell and taste. And, we, and we're grouping smell and taste together because you can't taste a building, although I'm sure every kid has licked a wall at some point. <laughs> because those two senses are just so closely tied together that for our purposes, for this conversation, we thought, well, we'd want to kind of keep the, the smell, and, smell and taste aspect of this together. So we, we want to kick off, we want to start with sight because there are obvious visual cues that we're used to. I mean, as, as, as adults, not so much as kids, but anyone who can read, there's, there's the big signs that say keep out or do not enter, or there's sometimes the color cues like yellow and black stripes or, or <laughs> even better police tape or warning tape that tells you, you know, don't step into this area, but people are people. And we all know it doesn't take much for them to ignore warning signs or the more obvious visual cues which means keeping people out can be a bit of a challenge. So from that aspect, we got to thinking and, and wanted to, to think about this as what, what if you took a more subtle approach to this instead of giving strong visual, visual cues, just made the space visually uncomfortable. Yeah. Prime example. If you don't have any light, it's hard to be in a space where you can't see anything. <laughs> it's a great cure for a, a nosy in-law or a curious guest. You, you can make, you, make, maybe making the light switches hard to find or, or only smartphone controlled because I know that's a thing, especially nowadays. My, my brother can control his entire room electronically through Alexa. Uh, so maybe, it'll, maybe it's only useful for certain people or certain voices and and that can work as a deterrent 
I know it's something that I've used as a parent with young kids. William and Riley have figured out that they can just reach the light switch and, and turn on, turn the lights on. But if you want to keep them out of a room, uh, th- that can make for a, a futile exercise. And, and I can definitely remember, you know, as a kid, you know, wandering through the house and just turning every light on as I went along. You know, no one wants to be in a dark room. Who knows what's lurking in the shadows? But on the other hand, you know, if they can't find a light switch at all, you know, no, no, even even as an adult, like if you can't find a light switch at all, no smartphone in the world is going to keep you in that particular space long enough to either find how how to turn a light on before, you know, somebody comes either looking for you or, or just it's just an uncomfortable place to be. It's like you're snooping, right? And it's just like, well, at a certain point, I feel like social pressure and the fact that you aren't able to turn the light on would would just be like okay maybe this isn't something worth pursuing right now <laughs> clearly i'm not supposed to be in here so so maybe i should just just leave <laughs> but yeah but but you could go for for the opposite uh, you know you could go for as much light as possible if you look at the majority of of strip malls and shopping centers and and, and gas stations and the like you have these floor to ceiling glass windows and and those are actually a fairly expensive thing to do especially for something most often times fairly cheaply built in the case of strip malls and whatnot but it, and uh, but it's a, so these floor to ceiling windows are, are a fairly large investment and it's a great way to display the merchandise yes but uh, the primary way that it can help keep people out is because you you don't want to be seen through that glass after dark. Police actually like uh, because we've talked with a security consultant um, uh, for uh, for a specific architecture office at one point, and he was talking about how police love these Florida uh, Florida ceiling windows because they can just drive through a parking lot around. Uh, uh, a popular shopping center at night and be like, okay, that one's good. That one's good. That one's good. Because, you know, not only is there this floor to ceiling glass, but the, the, the shelves that, that house the merchandise are running perpendicular to the glass so that they can see straight down each and every aisle running all the way to the back of the store. So it's, it's a great way that the, the more lights you have and the more visibility you have, is a great way to encourage people not to be there when they're not supposed to be after hours. And, and, and so maintaining those sight lines is, is a great way to say, Hey, stay out. It's a more subtle way of saying stay out. The locked door and the alarm should have been a clue, but <laughs> add that, add that to the, to the list of ways to, to be able to say, look, you know, this is, you, you stand a good chance of getting caught. So this is not a place you want to be in. So yeah, I, I didn't know that about the police. That's interesting. I, I would never have, you know, I, I don't do a lot of commercial work, so I would never have had that opportunity to to learn that. So that's that's really interesting, and and it makes sense because yeah, they can shine a light in and see what's going on, and and theoretically see that everything's okay. So, in addition to sight lines and and maybe taking away people's light as a way of subtly telling them. You're not supposed to be in here. Uh, another way might be might might be your, your sense of touch or that sense of feeling uh, uh, objects or or a space that that might might be a, another subtle clue of saying, "Hey, let's not go in there." And and you you have your obvious 
things right around the house that can do that. You know, you don't want to put your hand on a hot stove because you're going to get burned. I mean, again, kid logic, that's kind of where I'm at <laughs> in this stage of life. But that, you know, that, that temperature change is in, in my book, a, a very poignant way or very not poignant but subtle uh, is a very subtle way of, of keeping people out of things you you could with attached garages most people don't want you exploring their garage when you come to visit but garages have a, a natural inbuilt protection against that which is in the winter and summer especially here in texas your attached garage is going to be either freakishly cold or almost as hot as your oven so most people don't want to stay in there anyway. So there's already that natural inboard. I'm going to spend as little time in here as possible because it is, it is miserable. And, and that all goes back to your sense of touch, your sense of feeling that, you know, th- that temperature difference that you might not want to go there. And, 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 and I, could, I could see where the reverse is true as well. Like, especially during the, the winter storm last year that we had where a bunch of people lost power. If you had, if you lose power in winter, but you have a functioning fireplace, people will leave other rooms to get warm next to that fireplace. But, but it, 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 this question is, has always interested me because like, could you design a house that, that guides people to different rooms solely based on their thermal comfort? Like I know, I know in my house, uh, my the the master bedroom suite is actually on the northeast side of the house and our house is kind of u-shaped for most of the day our bedroom is fully shielded from the direct solar radiation so it actually stays about two or three degrees cooler than the rest of the house not not on any accounts of oh the ac is not working in this room it's just naturally going to be colder because it is shielded on on three sides from from most of the solar radiation that would be normally hitting that space so i personally love it because it's a great way to fall asleep at night because it's just a little bit more it's a little bit cooler than the rest of the house so it it, that already helps me get to sleep i I know faye's not a huge fan but that temperature difference is enough to make me more comfortable i i i would definitely be interested in and and seeing where that kind of thermal design might lead uh, a residential uh, project just focused on that because it, it's a huge it can be a huge factor well i i, def- I definitely think so I, th- I think i think the answer to your question is yes you could probably do this and sort of depending on time of day and where you want people to be situated and and think about how how heat and cooling is used for well, an example, if you're in a bar and if it's a warmer bar, you're going to want to drink more because you're warm. So why would you try to keep the, the bar really cooled down because everyone's too comfortable? So it's, I think that sense of, of, of there's, you know, if that, if that subtlety can be used in a commercial setting, I'm, I'm sure it can be used in, in a residential setting and, and figuring out how to, how to make that work. And, and this is one of those things that because we're architects, we, we think touch, we think we, I don't know that we necessarily always think about heat and cold, and we probably do more than most people, but we we tend to be more tactile anyway because that's just who we are. That's what the profession is. And, and, and to be frank, a lot of this is a sighted person's game. It's, it is you're, – you're not you, – you, you have all the visual cues, so you're not as concerned with maybe texture or touch or anything like that because 
it's not a sense that you're going to commonly use to interact with the building. It's just not, not, not often happens. And for people who are, who are blind, that there's a potential that, okay, how do we create cues for them to know that this is a change? This, this is maybe a, you, you use a floor material to make a change so that they know they're going from one area to another and then have to figure out, okay, is this someplace I'm supposed to be? And, and, and I think that's a potentially interesting way to, to really really approach this idea of keeping out of spaces is changing that feel and changing that texture and changing that the feeling of the floor. The other thing, and I know you and I talked about this, is that when you were with TKTR, that to keep clients out of uh, from underneath one of the staircases, you guys had um, put in a koi pond, and it looked good, and it's one of those nice, nice subtle features, but you know, think about it, it's a great way to keep people out from underneath the open stair. If you're moving across the space, now you have a, a barrier that you can potentially bump into. And same, same thing with elevated floor areas. If there's a space you're not supposed to be in, well, now we have a floor change. And perhaps that's the cue to say, okay, this isn't a space we're supposed to be part of. So it, it really is that subtle, almost kind of intangible, intangible sense. And, and you know, think, think about this, you know, you've got these theaters that are full of beanbag chairs that are designed to be comfortable to relax in. So you're supposed to spend a, a lot of time in that space. And so there's that, that, that sense of, of being involved in that sense of touch of being, of being in a you know, really comfy chair versus going to a restaurant where, you know, the, the air temperature is typically a little bit colder and chairs might be a little bit more uncomfortable just to keep people from staying in that space for too long. So there are those, those sort of cues. And we're going to kind of flip that on its head and talk to the, the not-so-subtle ways, because we're talking about hearing. We're talking about sound, and, and most people, it's easy to have a ne- negative reaction to sound, and, and it's probably the primary reason that we have alarms on cars. We have alarms on doors in the building. Think about all these buildings that say, do not exit. And, of course, they're a push bar and they're alarmed, so the minute you go out, an alarm goes off because it wants to tell you, do not <laughs> Do not go here. And so that's that that sound cue. And the same thing for dogs. I mean, if you hear a dog barking behind a door, you you know you're probably not going to be welcome. If your dogs are like my dogs. They're like, oh, there's somebody there. Hey, hi, love me, love me. So <laughs> I think maybe that tends to be more towards um, the guard dog variety. And, and I was thinking that... Um... Like if you had guests over at your house and, and if your dog, even if your dogs are the high, love me, love me type, it's just as effective if you put a dog in another room and close the door and just be like, okay, you need to stay there because you need to calm down a minute while everybody arrives. But if somebody, if one of your guests comes and opens up that door and all the, all of a sudden the dog's making noises, happy barking, you know, whatever the case may be, that that's to me is just as good of a way to keep people out as anything else is, oh no, you just let the dogs out. Well, well or, or even that idea too, that, that you're not, it, it's a, it's a subtle way to, well, it's a subtle way to keep people out because it's not so much of, of, we don't want the dog running around the house. It's, it's more a way of saying to them, well, you know. Oh, oh, that's that. The dogs in that room are keeping them in there because it gets a little hype around people. So, so just don't go in. Yeah, and <laughs> hopefully that's the clue that they're not supposed to be in that room. And that's that's the I won't say takeaway, I guess, but that's that's the the 
idea that you'd want to convey, whether it's true or not. Because I'm, I'm like, yeah, you can put the dog in the room, but most times if you let them out, they're going to be excited to see people. They're probably going to be, with very few exceptions, I've had a couple of dogs that you really wanted to keep put up. But a lot of dogs will come out and sniff and want to be petted and, and maybe get a belly rub or two, but, but your guests don't necessarily have to know that, which of course is great if it's a room you don't want anybody going into. So that kind of kind of comes in handy. The one thing I did want to throw out, and this is very, and maybe this is more me specific because I don't have children, but throw a bunch of screaming children in a room, and I will tell you right now, it is the last place I want to be. Oh yeah, that's that's why I put it there. <laughs> you put you put a bunch of small kids in in a room and and shut the door and say, okay, play quietly. And, and they actually end up playing quietly or, or maybe not so quietly. Most parents, even if they are most people, even if they don't have kids, they don't want to mess with that. Leave that alone. That, that, that is just, just, just don't open the door because they're doing their thing and you don't want to disturb that. So no, your, your reaction is priceless because that's exactly what I was going for. <laughs> That's awesome. That's awesome. Cause, because we, we were at dinner uh, a few weeks ago and there was a group of, it had to be like 12, eight to 10 year old girls are part of some dance troupe. All of their moms were there. All the girls were there. We got stuck in the same room as all of these people. And the moms were at one table. The girls were theoretically at one table, but I don't think they sat there for more than five minutes total. But it was just noisy. It was loud. It was noisy. It was this constant. And, and it was a thing of, of this isn't a space. I, I If I wasn't ordering dinner, <laughs> I'd be like, I have to go now. I have to step out. In, in fact, I um, this is years ago, gosh, when when the when Matthew, um, not you, Matthew, um, nephew Matthew, was still a baby. And it was Thanksgiving. And I came home from, I think, my sister's house. And walked in, and he was with his mom at the other end of the kitchen and screaming at the top of his lungs. Just absolute sheer terror coming from this child. He was not a happy camper. And I couldn't make it past the door into the kitchen. I, I just could not do it. So, so no, I, th- I think when it comes to hearing, you know, it, it's hearing maybe is not the most subtle of cues to, to keep out of the space because really, you are getting all of these these almost almost negative connotations of sound, and so you just naturally want to to stay away. Oh yeah, no, and that's and that's what that's really why I put it there because like whenever like and that <laughs> it's like well you know when when William and Riley are playing quietly with Lincoln Logs and and they're in their own little corner of the house like Faye and I don't touch it we don't go near it we don't speak loudly we just let that happen because one it's hard enough to get that on a regular basis and two you don't want to ruin whatever groove they're in that is keeping them in their own little area doing their own thing and just and doing it peacefully because if if now now if somebody's like if if the kid's like absolutely bawling and, and stuff like that of course you have to go see what it is and what's going on and all that other stuff but putting kids in a room and then and they're not actually doing anything other than just being loud and and crazy and their usual kid stuff like not going to mess with it. 
You just stay out of the space. You do your own thing and you enjoy the time that you have that you are not having to get involved in that. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's awesome. That's incredible. Yeah, no, it's it's not having kids. It's it's not it's not something I've I've thought about very often. But but yeah, I mean it's it is that that sort of assault on your sound or assault or, um, the assault on your hearing. So it's that sound that's just overwhelming. And and of course having tinnitus doesn't help me any either because I have that ringing anyway. So now you you throw in this cacophony on top of it, and suddenly it's really overwhelming. So the desire to leave the space is is really there, or not to go in it at all. This is just it's just one of those things. Well, that's really cool. It's, it's, I'm, I'm glad you added it, but I think we should move on to the smell and taste because this is one of those things again, kind of almost intangible. But I think it really really speaks to both keeping people in a space, keeping people out of a space, maybe by keeping them in a space. Yeah. No. I. Good, good smells tend to attract people to specific spaces. Like if you're walking down the street, I know uh, when we are in Brazil, when we visited Brazil a lot, like they have the residential areas are mixed in with uh, just local shops around the area. And you can just walk down the street and you walk down there. They have specific uh, stores for getting your groceries or bread or, or whatever the case may be. And, and we walk past this uh, bakery. And, and it, it just, your head just turns automatically because of all the good smells coming from it. And it, it was really hard to pass by on your way to where I think we were going to the regular grocery store. So not necessarily the bakery, but it was one of those things. You're just like, oh man, I want to go in there because that smells fantastic. So, so good smells attract people to specific spaces. And, and I honestly, and I, I say this half jokingly, but half realistically too. I think half the reason most of our major holidays are based around getting together and eating is because, you know, when, when, you're, be, when, you, when you're bringing people over, you, you want to have food out in specific areas so they'll stay there <laughs> rather than going and, and finding, rather than going and exploring and finding the room or closet that you shoved your mess into before they arrived. I hadn't really looked at it that way, but, I, but it, it is sort of the... Well, like like we were talking about, the subtle way to keep people out of certain areas because you want them to be attracted to that to that space so that they're not they don't have a tendency to wander. And yeah, because let's be let's be honest that I don't care how much cleaning you do, there's still a space where you don't want anybody <laughs> going into. And when we did the Christmas Eve at our house a, a few years ago, everything really looked really good except the the spare bedroom, the guest room, because there was like cookie tins still sitting on the bed and then there's just miscellaneous stuff. It's like, okay, nobody can go look in that room. So we made sure, you know, I, not, not that my, my, my family knows it that way or that they would care, but at the same time, it's like, yeah, let's keep them in the kitchen and in the living room where all the food is and, and we can kind of keep them out of the rest of the house. And honestly, I, it, it's one of those things that worked great. But, but to the, the other side of that though, is, is think about this. If you have something like a gas leak, you know, gas has that, natural gas has that smell um, they put in it. So you can smell it. So you can know, okay, the gas is leaking somewhere. And it's one of those things, it's not, it's not a pleasant smell. And it's that factor that tells you that you need to get out of that space. So there is that, I'll say, negative smell and taste connotation. And, and 
And it's funny, we talk about taste. It's not like, you know, you can go around and lick a building to get a, <laughs> to get a taste of it, but but it's kind of hard, it's still hard to, you know, separate those two. So it's a smell and taste thing. But yeah, it's, it is that noxious smell that, that hopefully will tell you, okay, yeah, we need to go. And so obviously you don't want to be putting artificial smell in everyone's, in all the rooms you don't want people to go in because that's, that's not a, not a pleasant thing. And I'm, I'm sure it's going to linger, but for something like, like gas, natural gas, you have that leak and says, get out. And of course that's what you do. I've, I've done it at my own house. We opened the door one day, all I could smell was gas, closed the front door, <laughs> went onto the driveway and called the, called the gas company and said, Hey, FYI, this is what's going on. So yeah. So it's, it's, it is, but yeah, it, it, and, it's, and it is that intangible thing in, in that sense of, you know, subtle cues. It's, it is, it is almost the smell and taste. It almost is a very intangible, intangible aspect of that. And, and I guess most recently your, your loss of smell and taste would, uh, might also indicate uh, you have COVID and and you might want to leave the space altogether and self isolate. <laughs> so I, I I know it always keeps coming back to COVID, but you know these are the times we live in. Yeah, that's that's true. But and the, and the other thing too is you know people know okay he's lost his smell he's lost his taste okay he needs to isolate and I don't go in that room I stay out of that space so so there is I guess again that subtlety to it but but I think you know it's it's we've it seems like we talk about the pandemic probably almost every every episode and but like you said it's it's one of those things that's just the way things are and, and that's that's going to be a relatable relatable aspect for a while but i do think that's where we're going to leave it so we're going to end it today but but let us know on our social media what we've maybe missed or if you've got some creative ways of keeping people out of rooms because i'm sure matthew is still looking for good ideas for his kids and i'm certainly up for new possibilities so um you know where to reach me. It's Larry at Spotted Dog Arch. Sorry, Spotted Arch. Listen to me. I can't even say it right. It's Larry at SpottedDogArchitecture.com or at Spotted Dog Arch on Instagram and Twitter. And you can find the podcast on our Instagram at ArchGeeksPodcast or on our website at ArchitectureGeeks.com. Well, super, guys. We hope hope you've figured out some, some ways to maybe keep people out of your house or out of your spaces that you don't want them in. And might have some ideas for us but in the meantime enjoy your weekend and we will talk to you again in a couple of weeks bye bye